Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. Time now for the topic of sex. So, anything that's like maybe come up in your discussion group time that you've started to think about, or maybe it's stuff that you've thought about from your friends at school, they might have a question. Yeah, now's the time to ask the questions. Okay, Ava first. To daydream during high school. Oh, daydream high school. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess there's, there's different categories uh, in the Bible. There are things called, there's like, there's like sin and matters of uh, righteousness. And then there are, in, and then in books like Proverbs, there's the wisdom literature. It, it, instead of talking about the terms of sin and righteousness, it uses the language of wisdom and foolishness. And so, um, in in those books, they often there's no okay. Firstly, nowhere in the Bible doesn't talk about dating per se because dating didn't exist until the last eighty years, right? Up until then, pretty much it was um, if your family knew another family, you know, that you know you'd introduce the the person in the context of the family. You know, the, the parents would probably arrange it. You go over to that family's house, sit in a room and talk, whilst the door was open and the parents could walk past and you'd have an opportunity to get to know them. And then, you know, that's kind of how it was before cars. And then, and in a lot of culture, it's like arranged through the parents, right? Then what happened once the car automobile came along, rather than the family organising it and a family taking you to another family's house to sit in a room and, and to talk with the daughter or to go for a walk around the gardens, then having the car at the same time as having the um, having um, the the pill, right? Like, uh, what do you call these? The pill, contraception, yeah. Um, and the sexual revolution. You could the, the guy could come, take the woman out of the house, drive to the movies, and then they could do whatever they want, you know. And, and contraception means they would have children. So up until then, it's completely changed since the 1960s. Everything's changed. So dating has, wasn't really a thing back then. In times of the Bible, in one thing it doesn't use the language of dating, it talks about the language of betrothal. The person you're kind of have, and maybe your family has committed you to marry. Okay, so, so firstly, the Bible never talks about dating, so therefore it falls into the category of wisdom. Is it wise or unwise? So one verse that came to my mind is um, Song of Solomon. And if anyone knows the exact verse that I'm thinking of and they can find it, that would be a great help. Where um, in the Song of Solomon, the woman says that it's, um, do, not, uh, do, 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 do not awaken love um, until, until um, it's time, right? If someone wants to find the exact verse for me, that would be fantastic. Chapter 8. Chapter 8, is it? Verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. 
Yeah, young woman of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. Okay? Um, I think there's wisdom in that. And I think there's wisdom in Proverbs where, where it talks about guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Um, I guess romantic desire is very strong and starts to bond you to someone. There's three ways you can be bonded to someone. Um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And once you start the track of the emotionally bonding to, you know, connecting with someone, it's very hard to not also with it uh, allow the physical and the spiritual to go along with it. Okay, so by, by deciding to date someone, you're implicitly allowing us those three areas to, to start, um, you know, you have more physical intimacy, more spiritual intimacy, more emotional intimacy. So the question is, is that wise if you're not in the position yet to marry that person? Because, um, yeah, you don't want to then uh, kind of open your heart up to uh, the hurt or allow yourself to be put in a position of lust or desire or even sex when you're not in a position yet to marry that person. Um, so that, that's kind of... Um, <coughs> Yeah, guard your heart, um, and, and so I would say it's probably, it'd be an un unwise thing, generally speaking, to date someone in high school because, because of that, those factors. And sexual immorality, right? Like, flee sexual immorality is what the Bible says. So, all of the sins you can get outside your body for sexual immorality. Against your own body, one can six, so your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't, don't grieve the Lord. Does anyone want to add to that in the leaders? I can tell you as, as someone when I was becoming a Christian and I started dating a non-Christian, it's very hard like to then, you know, as a young Christian, not allow the desire the sexual desires to then come into that relationship and make compromises, which I am. So yeah. Anyway, there's more to say about that. But yeah, any other questions? That was a good question. Do you want to come back with me with that? Okay. Any other questions at the moment? Maybe as I'm asking, um, Christina might go around with a piece of paper, and if you want to write a question down, or if you have, if there are pens, and you prefer to write it rather than say it, you're welcome to do that. Anyone else have any other questions? Before you get married with multiple people, 
it's kind of almost like you're, you're, you're taking that car out for a spin every weekend and you'll let it get kind of beaten up and scratched and bruised and all that sort of thing. And so by the time you get to marriage, the car's not that special anymore, you know? It hasn't got that much value. And what, so what you're, you're giving to your spouse isn't of that much value. Whereas better in marriage to give to, to, to kind of keep that car special, not ruin that car so what you have to then give to your spouse is, is special and valuable, right? Um, so so don't, don't treat sex like it's a, a bunged up old car, but treat, treat it like it's valuable, yeah. One of the saddest things is you get to, to marriage and, you know, like, everything that was special about sex that you were to offer to your wife or your husband has been taken away because you just kind of slept around with whoever. Okay, um, if someone wants to date or have sex with you, how do you say no without hurting that person's feelings? Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I suppose like the dating could be a Christian and the sex is obviously a non-Christian. Um, I think if it's a non-Christian, um, what I think you want to do is use everything as an opportunity to share Jesus and to show other people that Jesus is more the most important thing to you. And so the best way you can do that is by showing people how you make Jesus a priority above anything else in your life. And so I think by saying to that person, look, as a Christian, I, Jesus is the number one thing for me, and so my relationship with him is what matters most. I want to please him the most. And therefore, and what Jesus says is that um, God created sex for marriage, and um, and we're to like, yeah. And I think by dating is for marriage, and, and therefore like, and also I'm going to throw this out there. No one's raised it yet. I also want the person that I'm dating or marrying to also think Jesus is the number one priority, and therefore because I care about Jesus so much. Um, I don't think it's the best thing for us today because you're not a Christian and you won't value Jesus uh, in the same way. And I, I, um, I don't. Yeah, I want to show Jesus that he's he's got the one that has my heart, not not anyone else. And so I would love you to get to know Jesus, and that's the best thing for you as well. And so I'd be happy to go to church with you on that sort of thing. Um, did you have something you wanted to say? No, I was like, we don't have much time. Like, How much time we got left? If you have done sex and now you're a Christian, can you ask God um, to to repent? Um, Yes, I think that's a really good question. 
Um, so, I mean, I don't know about other leaders here, but I'm, a, I'm someone who grew up not as a Christian and had sex before marriage and, like, all that sort of thing. And I look at Paul. Paul, Paul talks about his life as being the worst of all Christians. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 15 at church at the moment. And Paul says that he, um, he was the least of all the apostles because he persecuted the church. But he says, you know, by, by God's grace, he is what he is. Um, and so I think, like, there is no sin that you can commit that will take you out of the kingdom, that is unforgivable. The only unforgivable sin is, is unbelief or lack of repentance. That's the only unforgivable sin. There's no other thing you can think in your mind or do in your life that could make Jesus not forgive you except not believing in Him and, and turning away from Him. Okay, so sexual sin... It is, it is particularly serious because in the Bible it does say when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. There's something so valuable about the image of God that you are made in that when you sin against the image of God, you're doing something against God that doesn't happen when you sin out, outwardly. When you do it inwardly, it's doing something worse. But it's still not un unforgivable. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think he, yeah, the, the, the confess your sins to, to God ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you, and then, like any other sin, give yourself for living for God. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's an unforgivable sin at all. And even when you become a Christian, you repent, doesn't mean you still won't struggle with those desires. You just have to keep taking them back to God and asking for forgiveness. And that's that's the key passage in, in John 1, which, which um, is really helpful when you think about sin. Uh, it says... Um, if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? If we say we have not sinned, we make not to be a lie, and the word is not in us. So in other words, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. That's the promise. In what, in what way should a Christian act if they like someone right now but isn't old enough for marriage? Yeah, that's... Do you, do you, Sophia, do you want to answer that one? <laughs> I'm moving away. She's moving away. In what way should a Christian act if they like someone right now but they're not old enough for marriage? Did you want to add anything to that? Oh, I was just going to ask a question. Another different question? Okay, we'll just um, try, try to hold on to this one now. My, the, I think the first thing I would say is um, you, 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 if it's a temptation, if spending time... The key thing with temptation is to sin is remove yourself from the environments that fuel temptation. So if you find you're connecting so well with this person, and you're developing romantic desires, and you just, you, it's getting stronger, the, the best thing to do is to try and create separation because with that relationship, because otherwise, you know, like, you're, you're, playing, you're playing with fire, so to speak. So, so the language in 1 Corinthians 7 when it talks about dating someone that you're not married to, and it's quite interesting language 
It says, um, uh, it says, I say to the unmarried and to widows, it is good for them if they are remain as I am, which is single. But if they do not have self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with desire. In other words, um, it's good to be single, but if you can't control yourself, um, you should marry. Otherwise, you know, you might burn with desire or burn in the fire cup. Um, but if you're not in the state where you can marry that person and you can't control yourself, you, you, the, the, I think the principle is like, Separate, but you should also clearly communicate to that person so you're not being covert and going distance and cold. Look, I, I, this is my belief: sex is for marriage, and I think I want to date till I'm ready to get married. So I just think it's best for us to have some distance now. I really like you as a friend, but I just don't think it's wise for us to spend as much time as we are happy for us to hang out in groups. But you know, dating like the small, small group. You should have more friends of the same gender, generally speaking than of the opposite set gender, just because of this kind of temptation and da da da. But did any other leader want to add anything to that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Guess, um, yeah, like in, in high school, you might like, like someone and be like, oh, like, I would love to date them or something like that. Um, but I guess as Christians, we've got to be mindful about, I guess, idolatry. Like, are we thinking about that person more than we are about um, serving Jesus or loving Jesus or relationship? Mm. And so if that's something that's I think something that's helpful for me, like when I was in high school, uh, talking to someone older at church, like at, uh, like at Azigas or uh, like an older, older leader as well, um, I found that really helpful to like just think about, um, yeah, it's like, I guess we sometimes have these feelings, but um, yeah, exercising self-control and thinking about what God's word says, and that uh, loving God and living for him is more important. That's really hard. Like, does anyone any leader have any encouragement there? Yeah. What Christine said is also like just thinking about what's driving those feelings sometimes. Yeah, it might just be you you know, what you value something like a relationship more than you value God. And so it might be worth asking yourself that question. And uh, yeah, praying to God about it. Yeah, I think this, this is the the, um, the whole of a Christian's life is one of repentance. And repentance, Jesus, Jesus talks about is like um, uh, dying to yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus. Like dying to yourself every day, and, and that means dying to your desires. It means you actually have to actively confess them to God daily and ask for His forgiveness and ask for a stronger desire to love Jesus. Like... And so, I think also probably means um, that you, 
you need an extra level of accountability in relationships. And accountability is, when you talk about accountability, it means putting a hedge around, around either yourself or around your relationship. And it means telling wise, godly Christians about your struggles so they can ask you intentional questions and um, challenge you if they think you're blurring the lines in any of your relationships. And so it, it just would be a school or here at youth group, you know, inviting people in to, to ask you those questions or to, to say, hey, I think maybe you spent too much time with that person. And so they can keep you accountable. Because on our own, as a lone ranger, the devil loves when we're on our own and then we're easy targets. But when you're in a pack, we're stronger together. And so just, I think, getting that support network around you, I think, is really important. Um, there's just two, two verses I wanted to say to kind of summarise. Proverbs talks about guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. So the first thing is like, you just need to be careful. Sex draws your heart away in such a powerful way that I think a lot of people fall away from Jesus because their heart has been first captivated by sex and having that idolatry. So the thing is, asking in your quiet times and being real God, am, 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 is my heart being tempted to be led away from Jesus out of a strong desire for sex or with someone else or pornography or that sort of thing? So then guard your heart to the wellspring of life. And the other thing I think is in 1 Corinthians 6, it, it talks about, um, uh, it says, um, do, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Um, yeah, and so do not um, know that anyone who joins to prostitute one with their own body, for it says the two will become one flesh. Um, and so... Um, the idea of, but anyone who's joined the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. So what we do in our body matters. We will, our body was purchased by Jesus, for Jesus. And, and so use your body, which is the temple of the Spirit, to serve Jesus. I, I think it's a really good reminder. My body's on my own. It was bought, it cost Jesus the cross, but I ought to use my desires, use my body to search it.